Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. All right. Welcome to the Chaos Edition of Mariner's Pod. Thanks for being back. Gary Hill here. Mariner's beat the Angels last night. We will dive into what happened exactly in the ninth inning, or at least do our best to explain what happened in the ninth inning last night. Also, Corey Brock from The Athletic. Long conversation with one of our favorites. That will come up as well. Last night, Game one of the series against the Angels. We knew Otani, Castillo, it would be a wonderful matchup. It certainly was a wonderful matchup. Both pitched great. Six innings, two runs, lots of strikeouts. They combined for 17. Castillo, nine punchouts along the way. Both were excellent. So we're just going to jump right ahead. We're going to fast forward to the chaos portion of the game. Although there was some weird stuff that happened along the way. Julio on replay had a home run taken away. Uh, there was a home run on replay given to the angels after Julio collided with Hanniger and the ball went over the wall. It's just, it was weird stuff going on through the course of the ball game. And you get to the ninth inning and this is when the chaos really took place. Haggerty, of course, the bringer of chaos reached base on a single he would take second as a ball got away from Stassi, who his back was to second base, just spun around and fired the ball into center field. So Haggerty got second, immediately stole third. And that set the table for just such a strange sequence. The lefty loop stays on to face Julio. Now the stretch and the 2 nothing pitch. Swing and a light shot dropped by the second baseman, Renifo. Here comes Haggerty to the plate to throw home, and now they got Haggerty to run down. Stassi to the third baseman, Rojas, and a run will score. Throw back to third. Moore is safe at third. Holy smokes, I don't believe what I just saw. They had Haggerty at home, and they decided to go to third to try to get more. Haggerty scores, and the Mariners have the lead. Three to two in the ball game. So Stassi was chasing Haggerty back to third base, and he see through to third, no one backfilled on the in the pickle, and so there's no one home. And Haggerty came screaming home, scored the run. The Mariners took the lead three to two, but that wasn't it. The inning wasn't over. And here's the stretch and the pitch on the way to tie. Swing and a ground ball to short. Here comes Dylan Moore. The throw to the plate. Moore slides. He's safe. The ball gets out by Stassi. Dylan Moore scores. Around to third goes Rodriguez. Franson at second. And the Mariners now lead the Angels 4-2. to two. 
They had the out at home, and the ball just got through the glove or out of the glove of Stassi. So the Mariners get their second run of the inning. Here's the stretch and the pitch on the way to Winker. Swinging a ground ball to third. Up of the ball is Rojas. Stumbles, falls. The throw to first is in time, but Julio scores. Jose Rojas got two and at third. Going on contact, Julio Rodriguez. He scores on the play as Rojas fell down. He throws the first again, Winker. A 5-3 put out. Jesse gets an RBI, and the Mariners now lead 5-2. to two. Had it not been for the fall, there's a chance they make the play at home. And then just a, the last run was just a hit. Nothing weird, just an RBI single. And the pitch on the way to Crawford. Swing and a little looper in a shallow left center field. That's going to drop in for a base hit. France rounding third being waved in. The throw to the plate is cut off by Rojas. Head first slide, tie scores. And the Mariners now lead it 6-2. to two. What an inning. See, that was very normal. That was that was just a base hit that scored a run. So after everything else, <laughs> it was just a wild, wild inning. Uh, let's hear from Sam Haggerty, get his view on exactly what happened there. Uh, well, you get the hit, and then I'm looking for any way to get to second, steal a base, ball in the dirt, anything. And uh, Stasi gave me an opportunity to get there, and I get to second. And the, the timing of it all felt right. The chaos of the throwaway uh, loop is relatively slow to the plate. Um, there's one out. There's there's a right-handed hitter. Everything kind of aligned to, for third base to, to get attempted. And I successfully got that. And then the chaos happened. And Julio hits the line drive. I freeze to not get doubled up. And as I see the ball drop, my first thought was keep us in the inning and stop the double play. So I tried to get a throw home. They threw it home, and now I'm trying to stay in the rundown to get Demo to third, to get Julio to second, and give us another chance. I, I turned my head, and I don't see anybody at home plate, and I, I went for it. Are you surprised in that moment to, to turn around? I mean, like, you really didn't even get in a pickle. You just basically turned around, and it's wide open. Right? Yeah, you know, it was just a really funky play where maybe Walsh was, was anticipating Regnifo turning a double play. And, I mean, it's something that will probably won't happen again this year or maybe next year. And, you know, it's just baseball. Sam, chaos seems to be a good word to describe that entire inning. I, I would agree. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you've, you've been playing this game for a long time, and just sometimes weird stuff happens that you haven't seen before. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's a play, like I said, that probably won't happen again. Yeah. Um, you know, just the, the whole the tie game, you got infield in, first and third, like all those things just probably won't happen. At the, major league at the major league level, to, uh, to see uh, an inning unravel the way it did, at least from their point of view, what was it like to, to be on the receiving end of all that bad play? Yeah, well, you know, that's baseball, and, you know, you got to stay humble, and it, and it could happen to us, and yet you hope it doesn't, but you're, you're definitely enjoying the moment of, of getting the lead in the top of the ninth and having Paul Seawald come in. Do, do, you, do you realize, can you tell that you annoy people out there when you're on the bases? Because you could just tell, like, Loop was uncomfortable and you're out there kind of moving around. I mean, is that what you want, to kind of put that little pressure on them? Absolutely. That's that's something I can bring to the game and I can help my teammates and, and impact things. And you don't always have to steal. You don't always have to run. Sometimes just being a distraction can get the hitter a good pitch to hit. And you know, it's, it's part of what I what I try to do. It's kind of crazy, though. This is how you guys win games. I'm maybe not scoring three runs with the ball and not leaving the infield, but good pitching, good bullpen. You guys have got to piece together some runs and put pressure on 
Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're a deep team. We can, we can win a, a number of ways, and I think that's what good teams do. do. Um, so we just have to continue to play good baseball. What are you guys thinking there as a tie game going into the ninth inning? I mean, you guys have been so good in these late inning games. Like, it seems like this isn't something that necessarily faces you. Yeah, when you play 162 of them, you, you kind of just treat each inning as the same. Get a guy on, score a run, get a zero. And in the late innings, you do that, the game's over. And now Scott's service on a wild night. What started out as a <laughs> very uh, normal game with, with two really good starting pitchers out there. Got a little crazy at the end. But, uh, you know, starting back at the beginning, uh, Luis Castillo, what can you say? Uh, outstanding again tonight. Um, maybe help him out as much defensively as I would have liked us to. Uh, certainly the first uh, run he gave up, uh, we helped with the home run there. But uh, he was awesome. Again, you know, the strikeouts, getting the ground balls, uh, keeping us right in the game. I thought offensively, we had really good at-bats tonight against Otani. I mean, he's got awesome stuff. Uh, we've seen him a few times, but he keeps evolving and changing up his style of pitching as well. I thought our guys did a really nice job to get his pitch count up. And it turned into a game of bullpens. And uh, I thought our guys threw the ball outstanding again, coming out of the pen. Uh, we put a ton of pressure on them, specifically Swaggy. <laughs> Sam Haggerty was awesome in that inning, getting the hit. You know, they know he's on base. They know he wants to run. So the ball gets away from the catcher a little bit, advances, and then really heads up play. He knows he can get a good jump against that pitcher, steals third, and then everything got crazy after that. So uh, uh, we needed to catch a few breaks there at the end. But you got to take advantage of them. And uh, the whole thing was set up. You know, Julio just smoked that ball to second baseman, and, you know, here we go. But we did uh, – we got fortunate. You know, we put pressure on them. We forced them to make plays, and they weren't able to make them and allowed us to get the W. So that's a good way to start the series. But it's one thing to have speed and put the ball in play and make them make plays from you guys. That's the key. The speed's no good if you can't get on first base. So it all starts with, with uh, you know, Sam's hit leading off that inning. But uh, I thought Wink uh, really swung the bat well tonight. Uh, Frazier, you know, a lot of guys uh, really good at bats against a quality starting pitcher. Yeah, this doesn't come into play at the end, Scott, but that we're still trying to figure out that home run by Julio early on, whether that was fair or whether that was foul. Oh, yeah, you know, I, it's crazy. You know, when I sit in the dugout, it's really hard to see the foul ball. But anytime anything's hit down there, you know, I jump up and uh, try to see. I couldn't tell either, fair or foul. I didn't even know if they had a great look on, you know, the, the replay, what that showed, obviously, in New York. They thought it was foul. But, yeah, it was a lot of crazy plays tonight. You know, the ball off Julio's glove that goes out of the park. The ball that's just missing a home run there. But, End of the day, uh, the kid steps up at a great at-bat you know, later in the game. And all of our guys, really nice job tonight. But it doesn't happen unless we get the pitching we got. And, and the guys on the mound were awesome. Scott, that kind of embodies your whole, the way you play. Good starting pitching, good relief, and then just kind of find a way offensively and put pressure on It really is. We don't, you know, we're not going to bang a ton of homers late in games. Whatever, We just try to put pressure uh, on other clubs, and, and it doesn't work all the time. But... When you have players that are willing to go out and just lay it out there like we are, like Swaggy doesn't care. He's got no fear on the bases. Dylan Moore, no fear on the bases. When, you know, Julio, same way. I mean, you can put pressure on teams, and you know you, you have to let them go and, and, and you know take advantage of what they have. And it's nice you know, situation with guys to bring off the bench. You can do a lot of things with our roster right now. It's, it's a good fit. Yeah, along those lines, we've been talking so much about having the one through nine, but having the bench that you are able to utilize the way that you. No are question. Able. You know, we've got a guy that's got almost twelve years in the league come off in a pinch hit. And he's a switch hitter. He's not going to panic. He's been in those situations hundreds of times. Really good at bat. 
You know what I mean? And, and the speed, the, the positional versatility, um, you know, getting Jake Lamb in there. And give, it's really a nice roster the way we've got it set up. We've still got to be uh, consistent offensively. And, and uh, again, they had a really good pitcher. Otani's as tough as it gets in this league, and I thought we had good at bats tonight. Lately, Otani threw a lot of sliders. Mm-hmm. But both of the, you know, the whole home run from Winker was a slider, mm-hmm. and uh, Crawford's um, Ruben was a RBI was a. Slider. Yes, it is was. It, is it something that you were That's what he's been doing. About? If you look at his last couple starts, that's what he's been doing. Scott, is that one of the more wild night things? Yeah, it, it really was. Um, you know, just like, how many plays at the plate can you have uh, <laughs> in one in one inning? It just it was crazy what was going on there. But, uh, uh, again, we caught a few breaks. You have to take advantage of them. We put ourselves in a position by the pitching and how we played to keep it the game right there, and, and it creates some havoc later on, so... That's, a, that's the, I guess, uh, chaos ball, as they like to say, at its finest. The, the Julio ball, I don't know anybody knew what to do. He hit it so hard oh. at him, and then he dropped it. He probably could have turned two because, Carl, you know, I don't know what, he, you know, what do you do? There? It is a tough play, you know, with the ball hit so hard. The infield's first reaction is to get the, the, you know, the guy at home, which he did. You know, they just didn't cover up. Uh, they didn't handle the relay the right way. And, and Haggerty noticed it, and he went for it, and then he was safe. So... Uh, credit for our guys uh, being you know, heads up on it, but those were some strange plays. It's plays you just don't see very often. You talked yesterday about needing to get the bats going a little bit, and you know, even into the ninth inning, just two runs. But do you like the resiliency that you uh, guys are? I, I thought our bats were good tonight. We hit some balls hard early in the game against Otani. Um, I, I really do. Um, you know, up and down the lineup. You know, uh, we got to get Ty France going. He's key to our lineup. He's such a good hitter, and he's been a little bit of a funk here the last three or four days. we got to get him back going again. But I was really happy to see Winker swing the bat the way he did tonight. Um, you know, like I said, even got you know, Jake Land who hasn't played much at all, had good at-bats, and they're seeing a lot of pitches, running that pitch count up. It's, it's really valuable. Okay, the Mariners take game one. <laughs> the look for a serious win tonight, 638 again. Robbie Ray will take the ball. Then day baseball on Wednesday, so we'll probably talk again on Thursday uh, with the pod. In the meantime, here's a fun conversation with one of our favorites, Corey Brock from The Athletic. It's so funny. I guess any baseball season unfolds in ways that you do not expect, and I guess this season's probably not unlike any other in that way. As you look at things now, big picture, we're in August as the Mariners head down the stretch. What are kind of your overall thoughts on where the Mariners are at right now heading into the middle of August. Yeah, I mean, we all have our own sort of perspective on things. I still find it hard to believe, and you kind of just touched on this, that it's really been four months since we were in Minnesota (laughs) for those first games, kind of freezing there. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's gone by fast, and it's also – it's been kind of like a tale of two seasons, you know. They uh, got off to a a good start, then they weren't very good, um, and then their pitching got really locked in. And they went on that run, the 14-game win streak, and now we're in this little bit of a lull. I think they're playing some really good teams right now. I think that's mm-hmm. part of the issue. I think uh, all these games against the Astros and Yankees, um, th- these are really elite teams. And I think the Mariners are a good team. I don't know if they're a great team. I don't think they are. But I think they're a good team. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But uh, it, it's been fun to see, um, I think, the integrity of the roster and the talent, 1 through 26, has uh, probably been it hasn't been this good since I came back covering uh, the team for the Athletic in 2018. So that's that's been fun to see. It's a it's a, a really talented group, and you know when they're kind of firing on all cil- cylinders for you know lack of a better cliche, I guess um, you know they could be just about anybody. 
Around baseball, we have watched some players explode onto the scene. Acuna, Soto, the names are there. When you think about what you've seen from Julio this year in a Mariners uniform, what are kind of your thoughts? You know, people ask me about him all the time, and they want to know, they, they want to know what he's like. I mean, I think they, they've seen him on mm-hmm. TV or seen him in person, and his talents are hard to ignore. And I tell them this, that I first met Julio when he was 18 at the complex in Arizona in the fall, and he was the same guy that he is now, mm-hmm. just gregarious, outgoing, uh, fun personality, um, just really loved what he was doing. And, you know, there have been very few times since then where I, I haven't seen this guy with a smile on his face. It's And it's infectious, I think. I think it rubs off on other people. In terms of his ability, you know, you just never know how these things are going to go. You never know. You know, your minor league track record can be wonderful. And then you get to the big leagues, and, you know, we've seen it time after time. Players struggle. Sometimes they have to take a step back. Sometimes they have to take two steps back. And, you know, development isn't linear. You know, it happens for some guys sooner than others. And some guys it doesn't happen at all. But, you know, I I won't say I'm surprised just because he has been so good at every level he's played at. Mm. And I just think that talent he has, that unique talent, the explosiveness, the raw power, the speed, the defense, I think that was going to play on any planet, you know. And and, and certainly uh, he's been fun to watch. I mean, he's arguably been their best player. You know, and this is a guy that's, um, what do we decide? Is he 21? He won't be 22 until December? Yeah. Is that right? Pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what you were doing back then, Gary, but I was probably up to no good at Nothing that point. Nothing constructive. No. Say that. No, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like this. I mean, it is amazing. I was thinking about it the other day. It was a year ago that he was winning a bronze medal, right? And yeah. I was just thinking about if we could all have a calendar year like Julio has had. That would be great because that's been an amazing calendar year from that moment until everything he has done since. Yeah, and pretty hard to top. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Yeah, he really set the bar high for himself. But I think um, he's just settling in for what I think is going to be a long and wonderful career in the big leagues. And, you know, we've been lucky enough in Seattle. And, you know, like you, I grew up here. And, you know, we've had some franchise icons mm. Uh, King Griffey Jr., Alex Rodriguez, you know, Edgar certainly, and a few others. But I, I think uh, Julio has a chance to be as good, if not better, than all of them. What do you like about covering this team? Yeah, boy, that's that's a good question. Well, I, I love baseball, like you. You know, um, I think it's a wonderful game. I think there's a chance that you could see something each night that you'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, just some wild things happen, and... Uh, for me, it's about uh, the stories, uh, mm. the stories we get. It's not so much the games. I mean, the games all kind of play themselves out the same, right? But it's the stories uh, behind some of these guys. I did a story a couple weeks ago on uh, Carson Vitale's uh, young son, Charlie, uh, who was a premature baby. And I have I had two preemie babies. So that one really hit home with mm. me. I spent a lot of time on that story, Gary. I just I wanted to get it right. I wanted to at least honor their journey and certainly what everything Charlie went through arriving in this world at, you know, 27 weeks, four days. Um, and he's doing great now. You know, him and uh, Carson's wife, Lucy, they'll come out here on Sunday afternoons and such. And um, it's such a it's such a cool thing. But it's stories like that. Those are the ones that kind of move me. Um, and when I really have a chance to sink my claws into a subject, talk to some people, really develop a good story that, you know, I feel you can't get anywhere else. 
The Carson story is great. Uh, people need to check that one out. I, you also have a very interesting one coming up involving a former Mariners manager. Yeah. So here's the thing, Gary. Uh, it was earlier this year. I noticed something probably on Twitter or somewhere else that the Billings Mustangs, who mm-hmm. used to be a longtime Reds affiliate in the Pioneer League, um, they're now an independent league team. Um, they hired a manager. Um, no big deal. All these teams all need managers, right? Well, they hired Jim Riggleman, who has been a – he's managed five teams in the big leagues, including the Seattle Mariners uh, for part of 2008. Um, this is a guy who uh, was in Chicago with the Cubs in uh, 98 when Sammy Sosa hit 66 home runs. He was in San Diego as a manager when Tony Gwynn flirted with hitting 400 mm. that one year. So this is a guy that's seen everything. He's going to be 70 in November – and so my big question was this, Gary. I was like, why? Well, you know, he's been out of baseball since 2019. Um, why is he doing this? So I contacted him, uh, and I drove out to Montana. Um, I met up with him while the team was on the road in Kalispell, which is northwest Montana. Okay. And um, so we sat down and talked, and I talked to some other people around the game and certainly some of his players. Now, these these players, you know, their, their biggest aspiration is to get picked up by an – you know, a, a minor, or a major league team to go into a minor league mm-hmm. affiliate. A lot of these guys played in college. Some of these guys are in their mid twenties, maybe even a little bit older. They're playing because they love the game. You know, they, these guys don't make a whole lot of money doing this. Um, that entire league, the Pioneer League, um, it's gone independent. You know, they have teams in Idaho, Montana, mm-hmm. Colorado. Um, but yeah, my, my 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 question for for Riggs was, why are you doing this? And he gave me the. The answer I thought he would was going to say, and you know, basically, you know, baseball managing relationships with players—it's just in his blood. Mm-hmm. And when he we saw this opportunity, I mean, I mean, and this has nothing to do with Riggleman in general, but probably people of his era. No one's going to hire him to manage a team now. You know what yeah. I mean? There's yeah. a, a big league team. That's right. That time's passed. I mean, and I, I don't think that's neither good, bad, or indifferent. It's just what it is. Um, but I think he saw this as an opportunity to go. Um, spent a summer in Montana. Um, he's got his best friend with him, Dan Radisson, who was uh, with Riggs at three different stops in the minor leagues. And, yeah, it's just it's just kind of fun sitting and watching him. And, uh, like I said, this guy's going to be 70 in November. Um, and I think one of the cool parts, Gary, is um, a Riggleman managed Scott Service when Service went to the Cubs. And that's when Scott got his first opportunity to play full-time, really. Huh. He, you know, he was in Houston before that. But then Riggleman also, he also managed uh, Gino Suarez and Jesse Winker when he was the interim manager in Cincinnati in 2018. So he, it covers a wide gap. I mean, he managed some real dudes. And, um, but, you know, for him, you know, it's not, as he, he likes to say, you know, it's not about me. It's about the players. That's amazing. It's really not that long ago. No, it's when you not. Think about, I mean, no. 2018, that's like yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, in our world In now, baseball right? years, yeah. Yeah. I, I love the idea, though, of two good friends just busting around and yeah. managing baseball. Yeah. I mean, the, when you strip everything down to its essence, right? I mean, that's that's it. That's what they do. Yeah, he's doing what he loves, yeah. right? And really, what he's doing now is no different than anything he was doing in the big leagues. Right. Now, they're not staying at the Four Seasons. <laughs> no, they're not. He's not getting a big wa- an envelope full of meal money on the road. <laughs> Um, you know, they're traveling everywhere by bus, probably in the middle of the night. But at the end of the day, the job is still the job, and that's managing. It's helping players get better and hopefully sending them on to 
Um, maybe some of them, they've had at least one guy already signed with an affiliate. And mm. as Riggs says, he says, that was a great day. We hope to do it again. That's amazing. Yeah. Tomorrow is a big day in Mariners history, really baseball history when you think about it, because we have not seen a perfect game since the one thrown by Felix Hernandez. I know Mariner fans, every time a perfecto gets to, like, the seventh inning, like, come on. Yeah. Just Somebody get a hit, a walk, walk, take a hit by pitch, error, anything at that point. Yeah, so we'll far, take anything. It's yeah. worked out. And I know you have some stuff going with yeah. it's going to be a big day. And I also think it's interesting, Gary, that there hasn't been any in the last decade where it seems like how many were there in that in that 2012 season alone? There are two in this ballpark. Yes. Yeah. And there hasn't been any since anywhere. Right. In the era of pitching, which also, this is an era where pitching is dominant. We see it right. every night. Yet, we have not seen a perfecto. I think that is so wild. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And I was in San Diego at the time covering the Padres, so I I wasn't here to witness this. But I've gone back and I've watched the uh, I've watched the game um, on YouTube just because I wanted to. Uh, I wrote a story uh, for Monday about uh, the game itself, kind of breaking down inning by inning, all mm -hmm. nine innings, and kind of pulling a snippet out of each inning that I thought was interesting. Um, a lot of them <laughs> involved just oh, struck out swinging, <laughs> struck out looking, but um, but the, you know it was some interesting going through some old newspaper archives and getting some old stories about what some of the hitters had to say. And I talked to John Jaso uh, before, and he was uh, Felix's catcher that mm. day, and he, he had some interesting uh, perspective on things. And basically, you know, at the end of the at the end of the game, after you know you talk to the media and hang out in the clubhouse. It was just him and Jaso sitting around shooting a you-know-what uh -huh. in the clubhouse, just neither of them wanting to leave, really, yeah. you know, and I just think that's a, a really cool picture, and, you know, it's fun to go back and watch the video because, you know, we're only about 21,000, a little less than 22,000 people at that game, but you wouldn't know it, you know, based on the camera angles and the way people were standing and cheering, and, like, people look nervous, mm -hmm. and I have to imagine those guys playing behind him, Brendan Ryan, Justin Smoke, uh, guys like that, they were probably just do not hit the ball to me. Yeah. Well, the other part of that is, too, given Felix at the time, like that was always in the back of your mind. Yeah. Like any time he took the mound, hey, we could see something special today. So it just gets that thought process working earlier, I think, than if just some random starter takes the mound. Because Felix – he was he was the king at that time. He was yeah. King Felix in that moment. Yeah, and he's such an iconic figure here, um, and so many good years on so many bad teams. Um, and we talk about the lack of run support and all that. And maybe you know his last few years were a little fuzzy for a lot of reasons. But it, you know it doesn't take the shine off on what an outstanding career he had mm -hmm. here in Seattle. And there'll be obviously a place for him in the Mariners Hall of Fame um, at some point down the road. But uh, yeah, just just an iconic figure, you know. And yeah. you know, we were talking earlier about, um, you know, guys, you know, like A. Rod, Griffey, Edgar. I mean, I, I put Felix Hernandez right up there with yeah. in that group. You know, he was he was that special, and there was something about the way he did things that really resonated with people. And yeah, you, the listeners can't tell this, but I, we're up in the booth right now, and there's a photo on the wall i noticed when i came in gary it's the it's the cool iconic photo of uh felix with the the king shirt on standing on the uh the wall there and with the with the king's court behind him and they're all holding up signs that say thanks i mean 
that was such a cool night. It was so cool. Yeah. It, it's one of my greatest memories. Yeah, and because everyone knew that yeah. like this was the end, you yeah. know, like he wasn't coming back. This is this is going to be it and it, it, like I think everybody was fine with that, even Felix. Yeah, and I'm glad you pointed out that picture because to me it, it captures that whole night perfectly. His, his arms are yeah. up. Everyone's behind him. It's just, it, it's an incredible picture. I, I look at, obviously, I look at it every single day. Yeah. But I love that it's here and up because it represents some really good memories. I, how come you don't, do you have a copy of this at home on your wall or you just have the Henry Cotto photo still? I, just, I, ha, I do have the Henry Cotto. I should get a <laughs> copy of that because I actually, I, I had Ben who took the picture. I had him blow it up and they framed yeah. it and put it on the wall. It was yeah. very intentional that it's up in this booth. But yeah. I should have one for home. I have, like if... When I do my, you know, on screen at home, like everyone has, my background is Henry Cotto yeah. and Ken Griffey Jr. Like, it looks like they're about to collide yeah. going after a baseball. It's great. I bought it at the Kingdom Auction, That's which <laughs> I, did, I had no money at the time because they were selling everything. Dugouts, the foul pole. You remember the? Yeah. Were there some good deals there? Do yeah. You, do you, now that you think about it. Because there was it? no one there. I, I, I don't know how I found out about it. There's just people kind of walking around. There's... And this, it's a black and white photo. I love black and white baseball photography. Yeah, it's yeah. like my favorite. So I saw this. So I was like, well, I scraped everything I have together, and I've right. got to buy this. So at least I came up with something. How much do you think you paid for it? I have no, I don't remember at all. Yeah. I just remember being so happy. But I remember, like, there was this giant carpet. It said, Welcome to the Kingdom. And it had the oh. little logo at the top. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you remember, when you walked into the Kingdom, it would be there. Yeah. And they were selling stuff like that. It's like, I could have spent I could have spent everything I had there. If that happened now, you would have spent a lot of money. I would have gone all in. And then yeah. you'd have to explain it to your wife. Yeah, like, why do we have <laughs> a dugout in our yard? Right. Well, because it's the Kingdom dugout. Yeah. What yeah. about the old uh, that USS Mariner, that ship? I don't know what happened to that thing. Boy, that probably just demolished that. I wish it would come back. Yeah. Yeah, it should. That was fun. Where the uh You can put it out there in center field. Look at all that room see, out there. All that it just pop up, fire that thing away after yeah. a home run. I'm gonna talk to Kevin Martinez. I about think that. you absolutely should. Yeah. I've actually mentioned that a time or two, so it'd be great if some other people also yeah. put some. Maybe I'll mention on. it to Katie Griggs. Yes. See, we got to know how to grease the wheel a little yes, bit. Yes, you know. You know how. I am curious. This is an impossible question, so feel free to say I have no idea. Okay. You've written a million stories in your career, right? Yeah. Are there a couple that, a couple stories that you unearth, a couple of stories that you told that really stand out? I'm not going to be able to do this justice, I don't think. And not, it's, I'm not tooting my own horn here, but like... I don't. I think it was the ones that always just meant a lot to me, and you know, like the uh, the Charlie Vital story mm -hmm. for for selfish reasons. Yeah, but you know what? I say I will say this because this has happened since I've come back to Seattle uh, in 2018. Probably, and I know you're going to know where I'm going with this, Gary. That probably the most fun story I've ever written. Um, Pick up basketball games from oh, hell. Yes. <laughs> and again, this isn't, you know what, the, 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 journalistically, it, I mean, it's basically an oral history. So I like, I didn't do anything except write transitions for it. But the story wrote itself, right? Yeah. But it was still like, it's still one of my favorites because it is the most hilarious thing so ever. I mean, it's oh, just the stuff that went on in such a short time period and how it affected so many people. 
And just like the levels of humor with it were so good. It needed to be documented too, and I'm glad you were the one who did it. Yeah, I and you know it was good. I think we dropped in some the original text message from Jack <laughs> yes, Mossman. Right. Hey, let's play basketball. And then Sims more or less talked himself into playing, uh-huh. which I'm sure he Whoops. certainly regrets now. But um, and poor Rick Riz and and then Edgar hurt his knee and uh, boy, yeah. that was the same. Was that the same summer of the uh, the All Star game uh, induction? Do you remember what year he went in? I can't remember the same. Was summer it eighteen or, not, or nineteen? But but anyway, yeah, crutches like, going. Uh, it's yeah, like, oh, there's Edgar with his yeah. crutches. Yeah, what happened to him? Oh boy, yeah. glad you asked. Pick up uh, basketball game from hell, but uh, yeah, I think that's that's one. Uh, you know, that's one of the stories. And then I did the other one. I, it might have been that spring. Um, you know, years ago. You know, uh, there was uh, tops did those baseball cards that were split cards where you had like rising stars and oh, were, like yeah. two photos on each side, and they came out with one with, with a very young Edwin Encarnacion. So this is nineteen, mm-hmm. um, and a another prospect named Hugh Quattlebaum, who's like yes. you know who's who who's Hugh Quattlebaum. So I found the card, I ordered it on eBay, and Hugh was a minor league. Um, Oh, he might have been a minor league hitting coordinator with the Mariners. And then Encarnacion was certainly in spring training with the Mariners in 2019. So I did a story on the two of them and sort of the divergent paths that their mm-hmm. careers had taken and actually got them to pose next to each other, sort of like they are in the card. I mean, the card is separate photos and all that. But all these years later, here are these these two back together again in Peoria. And uh, like Encarnacion just loved it. Like That is so And great. I show, showed him the card, and he's like... Because Gary, he is so he's so young in this photo, and he is like super skinny. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's a teenager, yeah. probably. He's probably yeah. nineteen. Um, yeah. So he's just like his eyes got big, and I, I'm sure he'd seen the card before. Maybe he hadn't, but I still got it laying around somewhere. But that's great. Are you recording this? Did you turn this it on? This is all this, us. Are yeah, we we're, just we're, to- now? We're going to start taping now. Yeah. No. This uh, <laughs> apparently we've been recording the whole time. Hey, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Let's do it again. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs>